0: What's up, guys? This is Michael with Rough Stuff, and before you check out our new podcast, I just wanted to give you a little heads up on our Labor Day sale going on right now. All of our products are currently 17% off. Also, the first hundred orders over $250 each day will receive a special mystery gift, and those change every single day. Also, the sale ends September 2nd at midnight, so make sure you grab everything you need before then. Thanks again for checking out our podcast, and I hope you enjoy.
1: Hey guys, this is Garrett here with the rough stuff podcast number two We have Zach and Mallory back on
2: howdy.
3: Hey So today our guest is Stuart Nelson with point west insurance. Hey, Stuart.
0: How you doing
3: good? So Stuart is not just our killer awesome insurance agent. He also Is a avid off-roader.
0: Yes, I am and
3: a rough stuff customer So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about how you got into off-road.
0: I got into off-road with a friend that invited me to go to a four-wheel drive event down in Southern California called Tierra del Sol. And he lived down in San Diego, had a Jeep, asked me to come down, never been to a four-wheel drive event before, always been kind of a dirt biker and that type of thing. Went down there, had a blast, loved it, and kind of got bit by the bug at that point. And uh, it was a couple, probably a couple years later that I bought my vehicle, my first vehicle that I started to...
3: Which is what? A
0: 1974 Ford Bronco. That was your first one? Gen 1. Yeah, that was the first one. (laughs) First one I actually owned. When was that Tierra del Sol event that you went to? So that would have been, I think in, let's see, I've had the Bronco for 13 years now. I was going to say, was that Bronco
1: like brand new or what? (laughs) No no old man jokes, Derek. But (laughs) no old man jokes. Take it easy.
0: But uh, yeah, I want to say that was probably in like 2007.
3: Cool. We've been to Tierra del Sol a few times. I think we went maybe right around when I started. Yeah, I think we did the
1: repair pit down there twice, I think.
3: 2011, 2012.
1: Mm -hmm. That's when. That's when when, uh, Jason... Almost went to Mexico, well,
2: Mexico.
1: <laughs> by accident. <laughs> was, what was it? Because Dan, be Dan was
3: giving directions. Dan was giving directions off of like who knows, memory. Memory. off off memory, of like a
1: paper map, paper map, Yeah, wing right. it. yeah and they yeah. ended
3: up at the border.
1: <laughs> and he always insisted on um, what was it? The uh, map quest, which was like outdated, just so outdated. But yeah. he didn't <laughs> want.
3: He didn't want the the step by step directions of map quest. He just wanted the map. Yeah. Like the printed out map. And he was like, oh, I got it. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about your Bronco build. Did you get it stock and how did you acquire it and what products do you have on it now?
0: All right. So I when I got it, it was bone stock, kind of beat up a little bit. And um, my friend told me when I was buying it, he went with me, the guy that ha- had the Jeep. He was up here. I bought it f- up from a guy up in Grass Valley. And we went up to look at it. We met him down, down the hill a little bit. And, uh, so he looked at it and I said, okay, I think think I'm going to buy this thing. My friend looked at me, he goes, I hope you got four jack stands. And I said, (laughs) why? He goes, that thing's a piece of junk. (laughs) And, uh, he was a Jeep guy. He wasn't really into it. So, uh, so I bought it, brought it home. It was, it was, like I said, bone stock, orange, uh, with a white top, you know, kind of that classic seventies.
2: So you kept some, some of the original colors. Yeah. I
0: still got the original paint on it, although Mm -hmm. I don't want to, but you know, all the money has gone. that's the original paint? That's the original. Well, most of it. I didn't know that. I think it had a few accidents and they they fixed a few things, but um, but yeah, most of it's most of it's original, and um, so I just started going from there. And as with every guy that builds or gal that builds a a, a rig, you kind of go mellow at first, and you're like, oh, I gotta step it up, and so then you you know you're always redoing stuff. So over the years, it's just morphed in from starting with 33-inch tires and now with 37s. and Why'd you go with the Bronco? Um, I just liked the Bronco. I always wanted one when I was a kid and couldn't have one. And um, a friend of mine had one already, and I liked it. Although his was not really a rock crawler-type rig. It was more of a dirt road camping-type rig. But um, I liked the body. I liked the, the look of it. And it was different than a Jeep, you know? Yeah. So... Definitely, yeah, unique. Yeah,
3: more unique. Um, so how we actually met you is kind of a funny story. Yeah, I think maybe five or six years ago, we were using someone through our payroll provider for workers' comp insurance, and I thought I want to use someone really local, so I got on Yelp and I just looked up four or five local companies. I made a bunch of calls. Stuart called me back and was like. I know rough stuff. I'm a customer of rough stuff. And I think you already had our axle housings. No, that was later. Was that later? Oh, once you got the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Then
0: (laughs) I was on the inside track. That's when I bought the big ticket But you did
3: have, you were running some of our products. Yeah. And you definitely knew who we were. And I was like, man, this is great because I. That's the first red flag. (laughs) I think you actually drove it out here that first time we met to come meet I with us. I think I did, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, what was- I needed to
0: lend some credibility to myself. <laughs> yes,
3: absolutely. <laughs> and I and I, think what was so crucial for me was that you understood our business as already being a customer. And you really helped sort of bridge that gap between us and the, insu- the insurance providers right. of explaining what we do when it comes to general liability and workers' comp. They see that we're a manufacturer. And they just want to slam us with the highest rates. And they just make you out to be the most dangerous, you know, high-risk companies. And so having you understand what we do, understand our products, understand our industry, even getting um, products insurance, that's a really difficult one. You help bridge that gap. So I'm really grateful for...
0: I'm grateful too. Because of those actual housings. Well, (laughs) that, that, the discount's nice. The the relationship's great for me though, because it's... Rough stuff is probably... And hopefully none of my other clients hear this, but it's like my favorite account to work on because I feel connected to it because I love wheeling. I like working on my own rig and and fabricating. It's, you know, it's kind of my my hobby. So um, for me, it was melding not only what I do professionally, but being, being able to bring that and meld it with my hobby, which is great because yeah. I do understand what you guys do. And I also understand how insurance companies look at things and what the underwriters look for how they think and sometimes I can talk them down off the ledge because they look (laughs) at your product they're like holy cow you know this this and they freak out because they don't understand the product but because I have an understanding of the product and what you do and what it's used for uh, it enables me to explain it better in a way they can understand totally so
3: so thank you you're welcome. I wanted to talk a little bit about your relationship with Rubicon Trail Foundation and also the Adopt-A-Trail program. So can you explain to us how you got into connections with RTF and what Adopt-A-Trail is? Yeah. So
0: um, the Adopt-A-Trail is separate from the RTF. Um, Love the RTF. It's a great organization, but they kind of did it in conjunction with El Dorado County Dorado County does the adopt-a-trail program for the Rubicon Trail. Even though the trail crosses over into Placer County, part of the trails in, in both counties, El- Dorado County has lead on that because the majority of the trail is in their jurisdiction. So they put together this adopt-a-trail program. And my friend who was on the RTF board, uh, Cole Sweet, there you go. There's your shout-out, Cole. Um <laughs> He, uh, he said, Hey, they're doing this. And I said, Oh, we got to get involved because he and I go on the, the jamboree every year. We yeah. like to use the trail other times of the year. And, uh, you know, we just get tired of the trail closures and things. That's a historic trail. I mean, it's known all over the world. There's Absolutely. people that come here from foreign countries and they ship their vehicles over just to do the trail one time on their bucket list so um i was all in i'm like hey let's go to the meeting so we ended up adopting a section of the trail and uh and they divided them up el dorado county at the meeting and they said okay in these different groups we didn't really have a group it was just me and him and a couple of guys that would always go on the trail with us so i didn't have an official club most of the other people that adopted a section were a club or a business something like that where they had a little more firepower from a man point of view i guess you'd say and um so that's how I got involved. I just wanted to volunteer, just wanted to make sure that the trail was adopted and that the work was done. Um, and uh, so we did it for several years, but my struggle was some of the guys that I had recruited Ended up either selling their rigs, you know, because they started having babies or, you know, and, and their priorities shifted and they weren't going. And it ended up being like three of us every time. It was a lot of work for three guys. Yeah. yeah. That'll so. out,
3: of you. you have to kind of map out what area you want and then what do you do? Put signs, carve it out. How does that work? Yeah,
0: they, they ask you to go up usually a minimum twice a year and you do a trail evaluation on it just erosion, and because they're trying to keep the trail in good repair. Right. And uh, El County, and I think they used like Army Corps of Engineers or somebody. But basically, they did all these. Um, they put rock channels in for for uh, you know water crossings when the runoff happens. Oh. So as you're driving your rig across the trail, it's not eroding that by driving through that stream of water. That's probably happening more so in the spring. And um, then they have these, um, they're called REDs or rock energy dissipators that basically catch any sediment that washes down off the trail from all the runoff from the winter uh, snows. And so you have to go in there and you measure the sediment to see how much sediment you're losing. You record that and then you clean it out and, and then you turn that report in. And they ask you to do it in the spring and then once more right before winter. And then they monitor what's going on with the trail. And then if uh, any of these rock energy dissipators or mostly like the little water crossings that they put like um, cobble uh, liners in them, if they're eroding or coming apart, you tell them and then they'll get someone up there and they'll get a load of rock in there get it fixed.
3: So basically preservation and preservation putting back trail. what sometimes off-roading takes away. Yep.
0: Things like and that. And trying to minimize the impact on the environment, but still yeah. allowing users to enjoy the trail.
3: Especially when it comes to that <coughs> creek, I'm sure a lot of you know wildlife relies on that body of water and things like that. Right. So, so it's all about just respecting
0: the, the trail and uh, keeping it in good repair so that it stays open and um, people can use it and enjoy it. And... But you're not really damaging the environment through, through your use.
3: We yep. break for squirrels. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> and chipmunks up there.
0: Yeah. It's one of the interesting
2: things that, like, a lot of people seem to have so many questions on is, like, why are you repairing an off road wheel and trail? But at the end of the day, if we don't maintain it to a point of sustainability, it'll get close. Right. And we can't let that happen. And nobody ever seems to, like, put two and two together. They think, what are you going to do? Go pave it? Like, you're going to go work on the Rubicon? How does that work? but they don't realize that like we don't take these little times, these little steps and go put the effort of just preservation of what's already there. We're just not going to get the opportunity to go have fun out there. Right. It's yeah. kind of interesting how a lot of people don't put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. Don't see that side of it. Cause it's really important to be able to keep these trails open and keep these public lands public Absolutely. and not, you know, gated off every other year, every right. four years.
0: And you got to have people to monitor that because you know, 99% of the people do respect the trail and, and take care of it. But there's always a few people that, you know, abuse anything and.
2: That 1% can do some damage. Right. So yeah. you follow
0: up behind them and you you make sure that it's it's fixed and repaired so that it can continue on.
3: That's awesome. So Rough Stuff is going to be adopting a trail, correct?
0: Yes. So that was the purpose of my last statement that I couldn't keep up with the work so uh, I talked with Garrett here at rough stuff and said you know hey I, I can't keep doing on this you know trail maintenance yeah I don't have the firepower but you know rough stuff has a bunch of employees and they all like to wheel most of them have rigs or know somebody that does that's why they like working here right it's in their wheelhouse too of what they enjoy in their free time and I thought what a great opportunity you know, get rough stuff to take my section of the trail and then I can help out still and be involved. But now we've got a little more firepower for, or manpower to, yeah. to help out with that. Yep. So,
1: and I was actually hoping that we could be, maybe do like a wheeling trip, but not only with the company, but with
0: customers. Yeah. Invite yeah. Have customers. Them come up and
1: whether they help out or not, that'd be cool. But yeah. just to come hang out, we'll probably do like one night camping and the next night, next day would be work,
2: yeah. you know, but go wheel or work, do whatever. Yeah. yeah, so we so might even fun. just camp out. You know, if you're listening, hearing us being like, "I want to go wheel with the Rough Stuff Crew and Stewart," you know, we'll probably just camp out at uh, Loon Lake because you know we got a lot of employees that got a daily driver, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. They don't yeah. have anything to take in. So,
3: tell me a little bit about some of your favorite places to wheel.
0: Well, I definitely like the Fordyce Trail. Um yeah. that's that's a fun trail, uh, pretty challenging, um, but I. Favorite places is Rubicon or Fordyce. Hands down, just because I love the Tahoe Forest. I love mm. the smell up there. It's so nice. You know, in the summertime, you hear the wind whistling through the pines and you smell the, the pines. And it's just nice to be up there. Um, the Tierra del Sol down there in the desert, that's definitely a fun trip. It's totally different than the Rubicon. Um, but, you know, that was always fun, you know, cruising through the washouts down there in the desert. Um, and... Uh, you ever been to moab i haven't been to moab yet that's on the bucket list though yeah i've been invited a few times just hasn't worked out yeah it's a pretty cool place for sure yeah
3: i was actually wondering earlier do the same sort of preservation standards for rubicon apply to moab because i know there's not nearly as much i don't know like greenery or is there because it mostly looks like Rocks, yeah right mostly, yeah. so how do you it, how would you repair that as opposed to I know
2: they do uh, some trail marker repairs because it's super yeah. popular just like the Rubicon it's and a lot of people can take that. less uh, built vehicles so you get a lot of people that don't know kind of the culture side of it of respecting things or beating things up a lot of people yeah. doing graffiti tags things like that or just destroying trail markers <laughs> so I mean I've heard about people in a rented SUV, Sometimes yeah. from other countries on a bucket list <laughs> trip getting way lost in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. because trail marker was down or something almost spun the other way, some kid messing around, whatever. Uh, but it's a little different than what we have out here. That's for sure.
3: Yeah, definitely. That was crossing my mind when we were talking about that earlier. Yeah. There's always going
1: to be something to that nature because not everyone is in the wheel like there's <laughs> hikers and stuff out there too. And so the hikers might see a lot of the, you know even the tire marks on the on the rocks is, as yeah. an issue mm-hmm. and and well, so the more out of hand that gets the more like off trail that gets it could become a bigger issue so i think i'm i guarantee this gonna be stuff
0: like that for yeah there's every definitely every trail like a crew there. i would think so yeah yeah,
3: yeah. interesting <laughs> um so what do you like to do when you're not wheeling not wheeling and dealing
0: oh boy sleep <laughs> um it's <laughs> a good one. Yeah. It's, it's overrated. <laughs> recovery. But uh yeah, recovery. <laughs> but uh no, you know, I I really like doing things with my hands, so I love, you know, working on the, my vehicle. Um and actually I, I bought myself another vehicle, totally different, but I'm restoring a sixty nine Mustang, Mach oh. one fastback. But um so totally different than the Bronco, but the Broncos, you know, kind of there already, other and, than paint. And
1: you got the JK too. Right. I do have okay.
0: the I do have the two door JK yeah. and oh, yeah. uh, forgot you had that yeah so s- slowly building that you know a little bit as a backup vehicle everybody needs two fold drive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Mustang would be cool Man. yeah but the uh, the Mustang yeah I'm doing that and um, trying to I'm doing basically a similar thing I did with the Bronco with the Bronco I put in uh, a, a five liter out of a ninety one Mustang so fuel injection because obviously off road and definitely need fuel injection and um so i did that first and that made a huge difference and then a few years later i ended up doing an overdrive transmission in it
2: <clears throat> game changer
0: and that was a game changer i mean yeah i can cruise on the freeway at 80 miles an hour you know in this old rig people are like you know they look at it and they can't believe that you're just kind of cruising along it's dangerous yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um so i'm doing the same thing with the mustang and i'm i'm Rest of mod in that too, and I'm putting. uh, I'm going to get a Coyote crate motor from Ford Performance and and plug that in. So there's a few of them out there already, but you don't see very many yet. Even though crate motor's been out for several years, and um, it's not an easy modification. So that'll be pretty exciting when that thing fires up within the next. And you're kind of taking tech from
2: (laughs) taking tech from a long time ago, and yeah, putting a heart from right now. That's
0: pretty crazy. Yeah. So that that should be a fun little project. How so, long have you been doing that? You said, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say. <laughs> I was going to say ten months. Because I thought is I'd is be it driving that, yeah. it by now. It's always longer than you yeah. think. But you know, when I got it, you know, I'm not doing. I didn't do the body and paint on it. You know, I needed a, a shop that knew what they were doing to do it. Even though I wanted to do it, I just don't have enough time. And uh, so I found a local shop. But ironically enough, at least in this Northern California, like Sacramento area, there's not as many places. That do that type of work, and so they're all busy. And uh, it took me a, uh, by the time I found them, I bought the vehicle, and it was three months before I actually found somebody that would do it for a decent price. Everybody else was more expensive. And um, and then I it took nine months to get into a shop because he just had Ooh. that many vehicles. You know? Wow, nine months. Wow, you, so yeah, these aren't big t- shops. You know why? Because everybody in the body shop business they don't really want to get in the restoration yeah because they make way more money doing collision repair for the insurance companies because the the vehicles are in and out yeah when you do a restoration that my car was in a shop for a year and I completely stripped it down to the bare body at my house didn't have wheels on anything I had to actually weld a cart to put it on put it on there dropped it off at the sandblaster had the whole body sandblasted, then took it to the guy to do the body and paint and it still took him a year to Cut out the rust panels, replace, you know, trunk floor, that time of the quarter panel. um, Get everything, you know, gapped and lined up and then strip the car apart and then sand it and paint it. And, you know, you got weather issues. You don't want to, it's, you can paint in the winter, but obviously you need a booth that's heated and things like that. And some of these shops don't have that. Yeah. And um, so it gets to be a long
3: process. So we're talking years. (laughs) So,
0: you know, basically it was darn near a year before I got it in the body shop. Then it was in there for a year. And now I've had it back for nine months and I'm slowly putting it back together. Because I didn't not paying him to put it back together. I don't didn't want to get a turnkey. I would have gone to Barrett Jackson or something and bought right. one that was done. Mm-hmm. I want to build it myself. That's so so.
3: part of the fun of the project yeah. and the pride yeah. of you know did, the pride of never finishing it. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> did you did you know how to weld before you bought the
0: Bronco? Um I did. I took welding in high school. Yeah. So
3: <laughs> How long
2: ago
0: was <laughs> that? Okay. so uh, next question. No. Um, so yeah, went out of welding in high school these you know these old stick welders and but yeah, so I had a little experience. It wasn't yeah. a very good welder gotcha. and um, had to redo it a few times. So, so, that, so after you bought it you're just that's when it kind
1: of became a necessity to the start. Yeah. Okay. And then
0: you know I, I had a small little Lincoln, I think it was what SP100. Oh, it's wire just like the feed ones? yeah like the, yeah yeah flux core only couldn't even gas it and um so i was doing a little bit of that you can't really do any good structural welding like suspension or you know serious fabrication on that so then i i bought a little bit larger welder that could do that it's just a lot more passes yeah.
1: like <laughs> so when i used to do the railings and stuff that's what we do out in the field yeah and, uh, yeah, we'd do, like, these huge gate hinges. You yeah. Know, it was just multiple, like, uphill passes and stuff. Yeah. Yep. I insane. did that on if my gate at the house. Can't weld
0: good, weld a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if it's ugly, just weld over it again. <laughs> but, so uh,
3: what mods do you have on your Bronco?
0: Oh, what isn't modded? So I kind of talked about the engine, the transmission. I got an Atlas transfer case. Got the uh, rough stuff uh, Fab 9 in the back. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was that was kind of cool because it was custom width so i did you know i was running wheel spacers before that to get a little extra you know stance on it so i was able to take those off just do about three inches over on the overall width of the axle over stock so that was nice to get the custom axle because then you can do stuff like that and you can eliminate those wheel spacers which are you know failure point technically Mm -hmm, yeah and um So did that with you know chromoly axles, got ARB lockers front and rear. Is
1: it still semi flow in the rear?
0: It it yeah yeah Yeah. and um, and then uh, the front axle stock stock Dana forty four. But it has Dutchman chrome axles in the front there. Got an ARB locker up front. You have our Co- diff
3: cover on the front. Rough stuff
0: diff cover, powder-coated, nice bright red with the access uh, logo on it.
3: It was in our um, Pomona Off-Road Expo booth last year, yeah. right? Yeah. We'll have to put a picture up Yeah, a that. lot of
2: people, mm-hmm. if, you, if you were at Pomona last year and you came in through, what was at the west gate? Just the very front gate. The very front gate. Yeah. yeah, yeah you definitely gate. saw it. Just to the yeah. right. It's a
3: showstopper.
2: It's a showstopper. Mm-hmm. You know, we always try to have some cool vehicles down there. But old iron is hard to beat. Totally, race sure. yeah. so cars are cool, play, but we we old just iron. Bring is the, we'll cool. bring the Mustang next time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's getting a Ford nine too. Yeah, what, but, what can we
3: put on that?
2: I don't know. People I'll, will just stop though. Fab
1: yeah, housing. we could put a
0: Fab nine in the back. Yeah. Of that. <laughs> we'll just yeah,
1: in eighteen hood, inch I, wide tire. Hood. Just pop the hood and there's like a, all, all kinds of rough stuff parts. Yeah,
0: actually four wheel drive Mad Max Mustang. Put a winch on the front.
2: Yeah.
3: Anything else on it?
0: So yeah, I got the got the beefy tie rods on the front. And with the one-ton ends on there, um, and yeah, I've got I've got uh, oh bumper fab parts. You know, kind of with a Bronco, a lot of your stuff is not off the shelf that you can buy. So you got to fab yeah. a lot of your own stuff. Yeah. So I used some of the bumper fab parts to make a tire carrier. Um, from That's rough a stuff. really
3: popular product of ours, yeah. and
0: it's great value. Yeah, you know what?
3: it's really cool too because you get to put together however you want yeah uh, yeah I like that
0: yeah and one of the coolest products I liked was the uh, um, the spring-loaded pin
3: mm-hmm. The, po- the oh, tea- yeah. tea- I didn't <laughs> have that
0: on there for the longest time so every time I would I would go out you know of course the tire carrier really wants to swing back into the quarter panel or the nice thing about the Broncos is has a fold-down tailgate like a pickup so then the tire carrier had to open it far enough open the tailgate it would rest up against it but then if you want to close it you got to kind of push it back and you know i gas can carrier on it and water on there and, and muscle in this thing. yeah so the thing's forward. heavy yeah. and so it's nice i got that spring spring pin mm-hmm. and but i think i just put that on maybe a year or two ago and that thing's awesome because you know you just open it you can have several different holes to to, just to lock the pin in at different you know spots and it's such a simple little item It makes such a big difference. It's funny how that works. Listeners can
3: get that product for 10% off today with Code Rough Stuff Podcast. Nice. It's true. (laughs) Um, Do you have any wild trail stories for us? We know you like to party.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I've personally experienced it. (laughs) We're not going to talk about unsafe wheeling, the pointless insurance, or what was it? The Christmas party? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) We went to
3: their Christmas party.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That, that was fun, but we weren't driving then, so that was okay. But uh, now I think the the craziest one um, was uh, when we were we were wheeling up and um, Fordyce. ice and we were behind a group. And I'm trying to think of the section of trail, but um, and sorry, I'm not like one of those guys that memorizes every section and has all the names to memory. But it was a steep climb, all rock in the front, and you kind of wait at the back. And I was waiting at the bottom for this guy to go up this you know, basically little granite mountain, but it's all boulders and things. So some of it's loose Mm -hmm. and, uh, he gets the top and his front end, he just gassed it. You know, he was, he was on the skinny pedal a lot, right? This guy was hammering his vehicle. He didn't care and he had a built rig so I could handle it, but he hits it and the front end pops up and then it kind of balances there. And I'm thinking, okay, he's Mm got to hit the gas to get it back down and keep going and he didn't and it rolled over backwards yeah. and I'm at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> and I got rigs behind me and I'm like, I gotta oh. make a decision here quick. Back I mean, up. he's coming down. And I wasn't Scary. sure if he's gonna make it all the way to where I was at. I felt like I was at a safe distance when I was sitting there. But when he starts rolling down the hill towards you, yeah. you know, I was like, wow. And then of course, worrying if he's gonna be okay. And uh, anyways, I was able to scoot out of the way and he stopped before he got there. But that was probably the scariest time seeing somebody roll towards you. and it happens yeah. quick too it's not like you got time to yeah. like alright
1: everybody
3: get out of the way yeah, yeah we we'll watch all those quick. videos on Instagram or YouTube but when you're in it and yeah. experiencing it right there it's pretty scary yeah
1: I was gonna say maybe you're The only thing going through your mind was your deductible. (laughs) I had plenty of insurance on the Broncos,
0: but I was more worried about my body. And it never leaves the pavement. Yeah.
3: (laughs) So what kind of products do you offer at Point West Insurance, speaking of insurance?
0: Oh, you know, we do the gamut of uh, general liability, workers' comp, and, um, you know, for businesses, things like that. And, uh, And then we also do some home and auto. We can insure your jeep. Mm-hmm. Definitely have.
3: What I like about you and Point West Insurance is you always offer a really intimate experience. You also do our health, yeah. vision, and dental. Um, and you're always willing to come out. Well, now I know why you're really willing to come out, <laughs> but you're always willing to come out and even meet with one person. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciate that. You know, really good customer service. Thank you. Always answer our calls, always answer our emails. Um, and you just don't always get that with any kind of vendor sometimes. So I feel like it's almost becoming a lost art sometimes. Yeah. And that's the same kind of service we try to offer our customers, though we're online. Right. Um, so it's really nice to see someone else who values that just as much as we do.
1: So what's the yeah. benefit of, or I guess if I want to ensure my off-road vehicle, can you just insure anything like a razor or like a, like, does it have to be street legal? Like, no, it doesn't have
0: to be street legal. We can, we can insure razors. Yeah. Um, those are actually pretty easy now. Oh, really? Um, now the companies know what they are, know what they have with them. They're well,
1: not a lot of our customers just have like rock crawlers and stuff. And like, they might be like, ah, why would I get it insured? Or how can I get it insured? You know, and, and how much is it going to cost? And stuff? well, so when yeah, you yeah. get
3: in an accident and you hurt the other people, that's yeah. really, really crucial. Yeah. Right. No, yeah.
1: That's happened. And it actually, because even if it's not, criminal it could be a civil case right Absolutely. yeah so you can get sued by that person and or you whatever. want your yeah.
3: insurance company to have your back whether it's covering their medical costs whether and it doesn't matter sometimes if they're if they're being unsafe too it, it in a court of law, it's,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. it's whatever they decide in california yeah it's yeah.
3: whatever the judge decides so yeah. It's really important to cover your rock crawler. Yeah, what states sure. do
1: you, don't you, you insure in every state or how do you, what do you?
0: Um, so with insurance, you have to be licensed as an agent broker in the state that you're selling products. So you have to get a license in each state that you want to do business in. So I usually, I, right now I'm just licensing California, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be licensed in Idaho, Arizona, but you know, did it for when I had cl- uh, business clients there um, and wasn't necessary. And I, you know, yeah. Those people probably better served, you know, on a day-to-day basis for you know home and auto. Just getting somebody local. Totally. Um, but I had a, a client who had multiple locations, but they were based here in California, and they had locations in those states um, for separate businesses there. But and they wanted me to handle it. So, um, but going back to something that Mallory said a second ago, uh, or maybe Garrett, you asked about it, but it was the rock crawlers. Um, that are non-street legal, so these guys that build these tube chassis buggies, um, similar to like a class four racer or mm. whatever, but they're taking it off road and they're trailing it up to say the Rubicon Trail. That's a difficult one to insure, and yeah, you still have some liability. So you know you're you're wheeling, and there's you know, so, you know people gather at like you know um, moon, moon rocks, for some moon rocks yeah. or moon rocks or little sluice or you know somewhere and they're they're watching people and yeah. you know say the rig gets away from you and you hit somebody. Um, you know you could be held liable and it's hard to get insurance on those rigs because they're not street legal so you can't just add it to your auto insurance yeah. um, if you have a VIN vehicle like a lot of the guys like the Toyota trucks because they make great wheelers when you fab them but half the time they don't even still look like the Toyota truck anymore they might still have the cab um, you know if it has a VIN then you could put it on your auto insurance and um, but of course um, depending on your insurance company you know you got to figure that out but sometimes they don't you know, cover off road. So uh, but it could be a problem if you had like a, a manufactured rig that you'd made yourself uh home built. Mm-hmm. And um that Is
1: that, was, is that something you can take care of though or mm-hmm. is that something or is it just like a you case know, I've by never case. Anybody or, ask
0: me. Really? And so I've never really tried. Um but you know it's uh I think most things are possible, you know, it's but it's a matter of would it be cost, cost effective? effective? Yeah so I was and, curious, uh, how much that would cost is there a what? product available yeah. Um, there's some companies that specialize in you know we can get insurance on dirt bikes and and like you said the razors and, and you know um, side by sides so a company like that might you know classify it as a vehicle like that we might be able to do it and then you you could get the liability coverage there
3: I think it's definitely worth looking into and checking it out
0: yeah because a lot of these guys put a lot of money yes. in those rigs I mean, could easily be a fifty thousand dollar vehicle, mm-hmm. and to not have insurance on it, you know, if it. Well, even
1: like what you were saying, you were, before the podcast, you were saying, what was it like the bankruptcies, like uh, like, or based oh. off health insurance, right?
0: Yeah, well, health insurance is one of the number one reasons people declare bankruptcy, mm-hmm. right? Because of the they s- get big medical bills, bills. Or because of accidents and
1: stuff. But like right. same yeah. thing, if you're in a rig and you get hurt, doesn't yeah. that insurance can cover you there? I mean, it'll help cover that health insurance too, or right. cover or cover. Another person, if you hit someone, like you were saying, yeah, yeah,
3: that's more what I think of. Uh, uh, you know, two vehicles colliding, or mm-hmm. yeah. you know, falling off and bumping the next vehicle, things like that. Bodily injury, that stuff's really scary.
0: Yeah, most of the time, you know, if you're willing to bash your vehicle on rocks, you're probably not too worried if you back into another vehicle. Yeah, yeah. but you know, don't um, know about the other guy. What For I would sure. worry more about than that, because usually, you know, you're not looking at body damage issues as much, unless you have a really nice JK or JL, yeah. you know, you got, you know, a hundred grand into it, but then you probably got insurance on it, right? Cause you can insurance. probably a daily now. driver too. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, it's, uh, the, the big thing is the, the vehicles that you can't get that on and, uh, and then you don't have physical damage. So physical damage coverage is really comp and collision is how most people know it. And that's comprehensive covers things like fire, theft, vandalism. Pretty much anything collision doesn't cover. That's why they call it comprehensive. Mm. Collision is strictly for collisions. So comprehensive, I think, would be pretty important because I think the biggest risk to any rig is fire.
3: Yeah, mm. so absolutely. You're,
0: you're working on these vehicles constantly. So you get a, you know, a fuel line leak or some other fluid leak. Like I had, my Bronco almost burned down on me, and I wasn't even off-roading. I was just taking it out for a shakedown run, had the kids in it. And I was taking them to In-N-Out Burger. And how embarrassing. You know, I got this classic rig. It looks so pretty and nice, you know. And I pull into In-N-Out Burger. And all of a sudden, it just goes poof. And all of a sudden, all the smoke starts pouring out from under the hood. Just as I pull in, and front row, by the way, at In-N-Out Burger on Sunrise. Everybody
3: can see through the window. Everybody.
0: It's like a Sunday afternoon. And I was just going for a cruise up through the foothills, right? And um, we had just got there. What happened was a a power steering line ruptured because I have hydro boost brakes on it. And so um, the, the lines on those are Teflon lined. And you got to be really careful when you put the fittings together because you can tear the liner or score it, which apparently I did because it was a install error. There you go. I admitted it right here on the podcast. <laughs> but um, anyway, so it just happened to rupture at that time and sprays. A little bit of power steering fluid right on the header. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. And it just ignites. It in,
0: and then, of course, because I just got done putting it back together. You didn't
3: put your fire extinguisher back in. Didn't put the fire extinguisher there. back I knew in. You were I look at that. the rack
0: and the fire extinguisher holder's empty. And I'm freaked out. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to lose this thing. But I do have insurance on it. So, um, but I really didn't want to go <laughs> through building this if you thing. Didn't though. Oh, God. Yeah. So I run into in and out You can see that
3: headline. Bronco burns down in Sunrise, in and out
0: Probably this should have been my most scary wheeling story, huh? But because looking back, it kind of was. So I go run. I tell my boys, get out of the vehicle, you know. So they get out and it's sitting there and everybody's sitting there eating their burgers at the tables outside. Just one Friday away, And they're watching. And I run in the restaurant and I'm screaming, where's your fire extinguisher? Not one fire extinguisher in their lobby, by the way. And that's Aww. not good for an insurance. So whoever their insurance company is should tell them that's a lost wreck. So <laughs> I see one in the kitchen <laughs> through the window and I'm pounding on their kitchen door. Yeah. And, let me in, let me in. So this kid kind of like opens it reluctantly, which he probably shouldn't have done. Because you know, there's a lunatic, in, a lunatic banging on said, the door. Banging, like, Get me in. Yeah. I'm screaming. I had to have veins popping out of my oh, head. Oh, God. Because I, I know it's burning out there in the parking yeah. lot. And it's... You know, it's probably taken as long as it is for me to tell you the story. And so finally he opens it. I grab the fire extinguisher off the wall out of their kitchen. I go running out there and, of course, douse my nice engine with all that white powder. Yeah. But I saved it and it was just a few melted hoses, uh, you know, melted wow. wiring harness. And
3: Did the fire department come rescue no. you? <laughs> Thank God. Oh, you avoided that one. I avoided one. that. <laughs> I'm surprised. So, I would have yeah. called. Well, yeah, eating
2: yeah, my fries. Yeah, scary. Yeah, yeah you're it's lucky in, man. It happens fast. You lose oh, it's everything.
0: fast.
3: It's important to always have a fire extinguisher for your vehicle. Extinguisher. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I'd have two technically. Yeah, it's <laughs> good to have
2: two if you can, because yeah. I mean, they don't always function. Yeah, and you can, or you might check, need more than one depending on how big the fire. Check those expiration too. Yeah, they that's do tough. expire, and you can, you know, lose pressure or whatever in there, and go to grab and have nothing come out. One How'd that is none. Before? Two is one. Yeah.
3: So um, I kind of want to transition into featuring a new product that we have right now. So I was hoping um, Zach could talk a little bit about this uh, Jeep XJ, TJ, LJ, ZJ, and MJ Dana 30 diff cover steering stabilizer relocation. Don't you guys love
0: that Mallory knows what all this stuff is? It's
3: a long one.
0: So besides
2: being the ultimate tongue twister of something you'll never remember, uh, (laughs) it relocates your steering stabilizer way up out of harm's way. Um, It's awesome. You know, this mounts on a tie rod similar to like what we sell, which is one and a half OD or any other tie rod that has one and a half OD. And if you got another clamp with a tap hole, you probably make it work there too and just, you know, give us a call. We'll take the clamp out. And from there, it mounts onto the diff cover, which is nice because a lot of times uh, they're mounted the opposite direction, and you start running a lot of clearance issues. Mm. Uh, so this is a great way to tuck it up high, keep you from having to do the classic, you know, steering stabilizer hanging, you know, an inch below your axle, just gonna get caught on every single thing you ever touch. Uh, and it's, it's, well, one, you're getting a rough stuff diff cover it's off the hook tough which you can smash rocks yeah. with yeah even the don't tabs that proof. are holding this in are a quarter inch thick i yeah. know you're thinking like oh yeah a quarter inch thick to hold your steering stabilizer it does make a difference cuz you know if you bash your tie rod hard enough you could potentially peel those tabs off you know you never know what you Well, the do. clamp is what a half inch wall uh clamp right. is half inch wall yeah you know <laughs> it is pretty serious the yeah, like ring is a half total inch od of that
1: is 2 inches like that yeah
2: it's dana 30 so I mean,
0: yeah. you'll bend the axle before yeah. you've done the diff cover. <laughs> and this one works
2: with like a Bill Steen standards, uh, steering stabilizer, which I think we can get a pretty good deal on those that we can offer down. Uh, I think it's like 80 bucks or so to add the yeah. steering stabilizer. Uh, you can add lube blocker all on all one go too, which is nice. Uh, you get a pretty badass package. You know, you got your stabilizer handled done. You don't got to figure out some wacky way to mount it up, keeping it up out of harm's way and you get an excellent cover. Um, which also has a lifetime warranty, which applies to this as well. You ever break it, you earn a new one.
3: So what is included in everything you get? Get the diff cover?
2: Yeah, you get the diff cover, which has the tabs pre-welded on, which you know, a lot of people think, oh, I can weld my own tabs on, awesome. Buy the tabs, weld them, learn to weld, do it, add a skill to your list. (laughs) If you can't, or you can't weld very good, Stuart, no. <laughs> hey, I said I improved. We got it all ready to go. So this comes with your clamp. It comes with all the necessary hardware, including washers, everything you need to make sure this thing ain't going anywhere. Um and yeah, if you have a different steering stabilizer, it also works fine. I believe what is it, one and one and a half or one inch uh gap on there? Don't remember quite off the top of my head. Anyway, it works with a lot majority of common steering stabilizers, Fox, other brands, things like that. And it's simple and effective. And the big thing is tucking up out of harm's way. Um, you know, a lot of people think like, why would you ever throw that kind of money at a Dana 30 axle, kind of see what they're saying. But at the same time, people are throwing money at Dana 30 axles mm-hmm. and they're making Dana 30 axles kind of tough nowadays. And you know, something that can handle a 35 inch tire Where back in the day, you know, you ran a big, heavy 35 inch mud train, you're blowing that axle apart. Well, now they got some really cost effective kits, companies like RCV Dutchman, other companies to really make these things tough. So. A lot of guys that don't want to swap a front axle because it is a lot more than swapping a rear at the end of the day. It's, it's a big investment and it's a lot of work. Mm. This is a great way to, you know, if you put money into Dan 30 and you're trying to hold out until a one ton swap or some massive catastrophic event that forces you to have spent a bunch of money on the credit card this is a good way to kind of keep everything how you want it. Get your steering stabilizer in there, tuck it out of harm's way. And it's pretty cost effective. I think it's uh, if I remember correctly, 165 it, Yeah, it or so, retails
3: for $165.
2: Which is pretty square because yeah. the cover, I believe, is uh, $110 bucks alone. Mm-hmm. You know, And it is not incredibly labor-intensive for us, but it is a process, and it has to be yeah. perfect. And these things ship out perfect without an issue.
3: Absolutely. The product number, if you want to look it up, is R2436-A, and you can save 10% off with Code Rough Stuff Podcast. Yeah. Um, an old product I want to talk about that we've had for a while is our shock hoop. So I was hoping Garrett could... Tell us a little bit about these this product and why it's tried and true
1: yeah i mean they're pretty straightforward shock hoops they're what they are you know it's a it's a piece of inch and a half dom tubing that we bend up um and they come with you know the shock tabs and we really just make these for people that don't have a bender you know if you have a bender you can make your own it's pretty straightforward you can buy the tube from us or go to your local shop and buy them but um we, yeah, not everyone has a tube bender at the, at the, at their house. So, um, they, for the dimensions and whatnot, you can look them up online and, uh, what's the part numbers are one seven, seven, one, and they're no 75 bucks for the pair. So you can do the, you know, front end or rear end. And they're not just a straight, a lot of people do like, um, like, a I I guess they make the bars parallel to each other. Um, we change the angle a little bit so you can, ha- you can, if you need, uh it's hard to even explain here.
2: A little bit of triangulation to it.
1: Yeah, it's it's a little bit wider stance and so you can you can you can uh, they just they just fit a little bit different than other other shop hoops on the market.
2: Makes so it we, easy to fit around a lot of OEM components yeah. too.
1: The one the other thing I wanted to add earlier when Zach was talking about the Stuart not welding good is <laughs> uh is if you do have like welding questions too, feel free to call the shop, uh, the sales guys. They might be able to answer some stuff, but they can also put you in contact with our welding department and they'll be happy to talk Welding with you, they love to weld, mm-hmm. super into it. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. If you have any questions, give us a call. Yeah, every
2: guy in there now is sitting on a lot of certs and a lot of training and the professional as well as like on the job vocational training as well. Just and general experience I'm too, because
1: like passionate not, about it. Not everyone like when you're doing like shock hoops <laughs> or like and you've never done it before, you might not know the best way to do it or how you're gonna attach that to your frame. Um, or if you actually don't want to buy like that that kit that Zach was talking about, you want to weld it yourself because you just want to get some more experience. They'll tell you how to do it. Like there's yeah. no there's no secrets here. Like and they'll will guide you in the right way. So. Give you
2: the tips and tricks to keep your stuff from warping out of spec and you know be able to throw that stabilizer in or you know throw that Heim on that if you're building your three link. Suspension up front or whatever. Yeah,
1: like totally. we want, we need, you know, we want you guys to be successful and not, you know, if you're welding links together, not to mess up the threads and
3: feel confident. Have to buy
1: them again, you know.
3: Yeah, also, so. if you guys are looking for install photos of that product and we don't have them online, give us a call or shoot us an email because we have an arsenal of installed photos that we don't always aren't able to get up. So, if you want to see what it looks like, what it can look like, where it goes, how to use it. Let us know. You can email the sales department at info at roughstuffspecialties.com.
2: And I mean, in the past, I've even drawn things out for people on a piece of paper and sent them a picture. Because sometimes it's hard to get a picture of something and even tell what it is. Totally. Um, Yeah, we're there to help.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So um, a new product that we have in the works. I don't know. I actually didn't check with you guys how much you know about this, but Wyatt told me. (laughs) It is the XJ Front 3 Link uh, kit with the crossmember. So it's the subframe stiffeners. The it's got assorted brackets, links, and himes. And he said that we can expect to see it end of summer. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So this has been kind of a long drawn out product or a project as kind of had to take priority on other projects. You know, other products coming out that uh, we kind of deemed more worth the time and effort. But this will be a really easy way to add a super stout, super flat, long linked uh, three link setup for your front end of a Cherokee and I believe it should be able to work with the Grand Cherokee, the ZJs. Uh, not sure about the WJs, but it should work with the ZJs. Pretty similar, and yeah. Ties into unibody uh, frame stiffeners that we offer. Uh, those will have some key ways to kind of make it a little easier to line things up, or you know, you can just get the cross member individually and go from there. Uh, it's interesting, in fact, that the uh, third link actually has a double bend in it to clear some of your motor stuff and your exhaust. And It's nice, because you get really, really long flat links so Wyatt kind of already did it
1: on his right. To where, yeah, and he has like thirty sevens and like
2: thirty sevens on a low, low Cherokee. Super it's low. badass. He so has cool. the
3: coolest JF I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, and I'm he actually bought that
2: for three hundred dollars, if I remember correctly. Oh but,
3: well, when you're yeah. Wyatt, you can make anything super cool. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, it's going to be a cool kit, and it'll be it'll come with the cross member. And if if you're new to fabrication and you're just kind of, hey, I'm going to wing it till I figure it out uh this takes a lot of the wing in out of it but still allows for a lot of customization you know if you're trying to run some massive massive coilovers in there or something or if you're just trying to go all droop no up travel you can configure it to work with that as well It'd be totally. pretty cool um, and we'll also have options to add on your pan hard, whatever you want to do uh, we'll make it easier and of course like any of our other kid products we kind of mark down the price when you buy a fair amount of things at once will give you a square deal on it. So you'll get a little discounted price versus buying, you know, each individual component, piecing it together. Um, and just like any of the other rough stuff, three-link kits, it uses uh, uh, two-inch by uh, quarter-wall DOM tubing. Uh, so you can beat the crap out of your links all day long, drag them on everything pretty long and flat and up high so you won't hit them as much as your traditional, you know, 30-degree or, no, I'm sorry, 60-degree downward angle a lot of people end up with on the shorter wheelbase Jeeps, but pretty cool. Pretty sweet setup. It should be, like Mallory said, end of summer, most likely. You never know. Summer's crazy, so might be a little bit after. It might be a little earlier. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned,
3: yeah. So our off-road tip of the week is never pull someone out in reverse. Um, Why it said everything's typically weaker in reverse? I don't know how you guys feel about that. Stewart. stew
0: Well, not on my rig it's not, but... <laughs> maybe on some of those jeeps. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. You know, it's um, but sometimes you don't have a choice, you know. Yeah, pull, yeah. pull, you can't turn around on the trail and your winch is on get the front. The best case, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, I think it'd be better to pull out going forward. Um, your reverse gear is usually pretty low. Yeah. So that's kind of an advantage. But um, yeah, I was going to say that. But it probably has to do also
1: with like ring and pinion. Like it's because it's not cut that direction, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it probably depends on the vehicle you're pulling. And the transmission you're well, running too. I mean, think about
2: like FJ80s, notorious for blowing uh, front diffs when trying to jump out of something backwards. Mm. Uh, just from having, well, A, an eight inch compared yeah. to the rear 9.5. And just backing up hard. I know Wolf's popped a bunch of them in the past. Uh, That's that's Wolf. He does (laughs) pretty hard. He knows
1: knows off-throttle and on-throttle. And that's about it. Yeah, On-off switch
2: (laughs) is pretty good. But one thing, especially with that, is if you have a side-by-side, like a Razor, that is belt-driven, never do it. Uh, Especially, you know, you're going to be fighting that belt. You're going to kill it. You're going to smoke a belt. Again, not a huge thing. You swap them out in 10 minutes if you're not you know if you're experienced you or an extra one yeah if you do have an extra one but <laughs> well. try to avoid that and you know even when i'm wheeling the razor uh if i'm just sitting idle waiting for people to go through something i'll put it neutral mm-hmm. uh, just so there's no stress on the belt uh, because they do get stressed and then they get fatigued smoke out or snap in some scenarios which is crazy and sometimes dealing with a bad belt is just unwinding so many strands out of your pulleys yeah. Plus, it's just hot.
1: You burn your fingers. And it sucks. <laughs> pain in yeah. the ass. We had to change it on the Rubicon that time. Yeah. yeah, that
2: was my first time doing it, and it was a pain in the ass because I had no idea what I was doing. Luckily enough, they make it pretty easy, though, if you uh, yeah, if you look and pay attention instead so of just try to dive in.
3: So we'll take that tip with a grain of salt. And lastly, we have a product review that I was hoping actually Stuart could read. I didn't, I didn't prep this for you, oh, but it's boy, the one on with the, the, the star. Fly. So...
0: Funniest product review. The Rough Stuff Hoodie, written by Greg Wallace out of Nevada. Excellent quality. Feels like it's lined with hamsters. <laughs> it isn't, but it's damn cozy. Wish I'd ordered a size bigger. Shipped unbelievably fast. Thank you again. And I got a sticker. Nice.
3: Yeah. So we just want you to know that the interior of our hoodies are like fuzzy gerbils.
0: No gerbils were harmed in making this hoodie. <laughs>
3: Correct. They're all fake fur. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> PETA, don't come after yeah. us. So um, I think I'm we're going to wrap bro. it up, but we want to thank you guys for listening. And also we want to let you know you can email us with any suggestions, feedback, topics, guests, um, podcast at roughstuffspecialties.com. Uh, please let us know.
2: Yeah, hit us with some questions. We'd love to answer them.
3: Yeah, we can do a and a too. So thank you, Stuart, for coming out and hanging You're out welcome. with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Stu. And to get a hold of Stuart, too,
0: um, was it pointwestins.com? Yeah. Or you can email me at s.nelson at pointwestins.com.
3: We will put your information up.
2: Yeah. And if you miss that, give us a call. we get you uh, all the good contact info.
3: Absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys. Cool.
2: Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Later.